SQL Down Under is a podcast for professionals working in the SQL Server community. SQL Server is a trademark of Microsoft Corporation. Opinions expressed during the podcast are individual opinions and may not reflect the opinions of SQL Down Under or of Microsoft Corporation. Introducing show number five with guest Niels Berglund. Our guest this evening is Niels Berglund. Uh, Niels is a member of Developmentor's Technical Research, Curriculum Development and Teaching staff. He specialises in the .NET system software and in database areas and is the co-author of Developmentor's database courses. Niels speaks regularly at various industry conferences. He writes technical articles for the trade press and is the co-author of the first book released for SQL Server 2005, which was a first look at SQL Server 2005 for developers. Before joining Developmentor, Niels worked as a consultant specialising in design and development of distributed applications, mostly to the financial industry. So welcome, Niels. Thanks, Greg. Hey, now, where I came across you, I must admit, first up was in the beta news groups in SQL Server 2005, and uh, even though this evening we're going to be talking about the, the service broker specifically, I notice you also have a strong interest, obviously, in the CLR integration areas as well. Yeah, that is that is true. I, uh, I'm a .NET pro. I'm I'm interested in the uh, .NET development side and the service broker side of, of SQL Server 2005. Yeah, uh, so that's th- where my interest lies. Yeah, so this is another really, uh, as well as the CLR integration, this is another whole new area for the product, the service broker. I was in a uh, uh, one of our new industrial strength.net classes uh, last week, I was talking with Darren Nimke, who's an ASP.net MVP, and mm-hmm. uh, we started having a look at Service Broker and uh, took a bit of a look at it for him. And uh, I must admit, he, w- he was very surprised with the capabilities that are there and interested in how it sort of overlaps with other products potentially a little sure. bit. So how, how do you see the Service Broker uh, fitting into the product line and, and I suppose maybe introduce it first up just what it does? Well, <clears throat> service broker is um, service broker is basically a messaging framework between Yukon, sorry, SQL Server 2005 databases, where we can service broker allows us to send messages from one database to another, and these databases do not have to be uh, located on the same same machine or in the same instance or anything. They can be totally disparate databases. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's a messaging framework, but it's doing much, much more than that. Now, I gather the messages are XML-based me- messages. So I've seen from the definitions of the messages. Um, not necessarily. You can mm-hmm. decide to send whatever type of messages uh, you want to. Um, under the covers, uh, the, the service broker sends it as some binary blobs, basically. Mm-hmm. But you can choose to send both uh, uh, XML me- messages in XML formats. Hey, we're living in the age of XML anyway. And But you can also uh, choose to send them in a binary format or whatever format you really are interested in. So why, why do you think there's a need for a messaging framework like this in the database? 
when you compare it to other parts of the product line, I suppose like MSMQ or even even BizTalk? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Why do we why do we need a service broker? Well, put it this way: that service broker, a problem that service broker solves today is, say, you have your you have your MSMQ application where you have the backend probably have a database. Let's say that's a SQL Server database, and now your workflow, your business process requires you to do transactional messaging. When mm-hmm. for that to happen using uh, MSMQ and um, SQL Server, we will be doing two-phase commit transaction. We will start a distributed transaction, and from a performance point of view, that is that is kind of heavy. Yeah. Uh, with Service Broker, everything is in the database. So when we're doing transactions, we're just doing normal local transactions, which are much much more lightweight than a distributed transaction. Does in uh, sorry, okay. I was yeah. going to say, how how does the new system transactions namespace fit with that though? Would that have reduced the problem a bit of using DTC? No, it it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the MSMQ still needs, as, as with MSMQ, we need to be sure that we're committing or rolling back on both sides. That's right, yeah, and, because it's, it's and, not in the same object. Yeah, so exactly. it's, it's still got to be a distributed transaction. It's still got to be a distributed mm-hmm. transaction, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, um, if you notice, I mentioned there, it's it's in the database, and that's, that's another benefit that... When we're using like MSMQ and a database in the background, we have two points of backup. We have two points of restore. We have two points of, of failure, basically. Here, everything is in the database. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, we will, when, when, when the SQL Server comes back up again, well, we're rolling back to whatever state we were when we, uh, when we went down. We, we have a much easier administration, so to speak, than what we would with uh, with two uh, two different systems for this. Do you do you also think, in terms of administration, the uh, the fact that these things are living in database tables essentially uh, makes it a bit easier to manage than MSMQ? The jury is still out on that because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's. A service broker is not the easiest thing to manage in the world, put it uh, that way. Uh, yes, everything are just database objects, and a queue is just a table. So that way, for a database person, it probably makes it easier to come to grip with, understand what goes on under the covers. Mm-hmm. However, from an admin perspective, uh, there are things that that we could wish for and uh, etc. in the product. Yeah. Actually, that brings us to one of the things that uh, I noticed that you've been involved with is is trying to build a sort of GUI interface uh, to help administer Service Broker because it must have been, yes, the support that's directly in the product uh, in uh, Management Studio isn't that strong to date. Exactly. Correct. It's, it's not there at all, basically. Um, so... What I, start I was being nice. <laughs> <laughs> you were being nice. Right, okay, I guess so. Um, so uh, uh, I started. Well, the, the background to this is that I was doing 
uh, a lot of service broker stuff, and I got fed up with having to write the same old scripts uh, because all this is T-SQL based. So yes. you're writing you're writing T-SQL statements uh, to do whatever you, you're doing in service broker, and I got fed up doing that. So I started a small projects um, quotation marks around uh, small with where I was <laughs> going to write this little admin tool which allowed me to create the various uh, service broker objects and uh, send messages etc and that kind of grew and grew and grew and uh, we're we're now talking about an uh, almost full blown admin and management tool for service broker yes and we'll actually see you what, might what might want to mention a URL for that for uh, how people find that? Uh, yes, it's at um, http staff.develop.com WAC uh, Niels B N I L N I E L S B WAC uh, code WAC um, SSB admin dot zip. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I recall it was a zip file. Yeah, I'll uh, yeah. I'll I'll dig up the link and put that together with the material yeah, from the show that. anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, with uh, I suppose what we should probably start off talking about, given given the fact that the admin tool allows uh, it, it sort of assists you in managing it, we probably need to talk about what the objects are that you need to co- need to manage anyway. So, so to right. set up Service Broker and get it running, what what things do we need? So, what's the starting point? Is the the message type, perhaps? The starting point is is yes. The starting point is uh, the message type. It it turns out that Service Broker introduces some new database objects, and it also introduces some uh, new T-SQL syntax, new T-SQL semantics. So if we start with uh, database objects, we the, the smallest unit in the service broker world is, is a message type. This is just, this is, well, it, it's an entry. It's nothing else but an entry in a database table telling us what, what the message that we're sending will look like. Is it an XML message? Is it binary? Uh, in other words, do I send XML? Do I send something else? Don't I send anything else, anything at all? Because I could conceivably just send a header, yes. uh, a message header. And if I'm sending XML, I also have the ability to choose if it's uh, just well-formed XML in other words, just the normal XML data type in uh, in SQL Server, or if the XML is validated against a an XML schema, in which case the schema has to be uh, stored in uh, SQL Server. Yeah. So actually, with the schema collections too, it's one that I uh, mentioned when I was talking to Kent Teagles the other week. The uh, uh, we're sort of interested in the, the concept of a schema collection and the fact that it's a collection, not just a schema. And I was sort of interested in why people would tend to use more than one schema in a collection. And he was suggesting mostly he thought to do with versioning. Do you think that's the main reason? Yeah, versioning is a very valid reason. But, for mm-hmm. example, look at, look at something like uh, – another reason for this is look at something like a Whistle document. Yes. How many schemas doesn't that document contain? True. So, uh, so and a document could conceivably consist of several, several schemas mm-hmm. that we are validating against. And then when we're doing the validation, we're validating against a target namespace. Great. And so, so uh, the idea is that when we create a message, then we're saying basically this is the name of the message and we're saying what sort of 
thing is going to be c- contained in the message, and it can either it can be well-formed XML or binary, or it can be XML that satisfies some schema collection. Correct. Yeah. Now, I also noticed that the naming that they tend to use in all the examples for this tend to look like URLs uh, inside square brackets because they're using them as SQL Server identifiers. So why do they use URL-type names? Um, yeah, it's when, you're, when you're looking at uh, when you're looking at service broker objects in general, you will see these long, uh, stupidly long names. Uh, stupidly is a technical term, I don't want. Yes. Stupidly <laughs> no, uh, long names, which, which looks like a URL, and that's just for uh, for identification purposes to keep something unique. It is just a unique identifier. That's right. In the, the end. Uh, it- yeah, it's just a SQL Server identifier, isn't it? It's just a SQL Server identifier. Yep. And as we're now talking, where we can conceivably uh, exchange messages over between organizations, between business domains, we need somehow to make sure that we're keeping our messages uh, unique in naming, uh, naming-wise. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we're just using a URL-like syntax. Yeah. Yeah, I did wonder if, if there was ever an intention to have them sort of exposed somehow via that URL, whether it, you know it's something that a partner could look up or something. Or don't uh, know. Um, for messages, I'm I am actually not sure. Mm. Uh, I know for when we're talking about which we will come to in a little while, we'll talk about services. You mm. can do a, a service lookup based upon uh, the name of the service. Yeah. So there, with, when you're naming a service, you can there indicate where this service uh, lives. Okay. Now, once we've got the type of message defined, uh, the next thing is probably the contract? Next thing is a contract. So, um, the, I mean, we can have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different messages, which, as I said, is just entries in a table. Mm-hmm. The we are then using a contract to sort of be a little bit more granular in telling what we, we are creating a contract saying okay so this contract are using these kind of these message types so when when I eventually will creates the the service which is um, when we're starting sending messages I am telling that I'm using a particular contract and by using the contract I then know immediately what message types I can get or not get so yeah I get that so to, sorry yes, the, uh, sorry go ahead oh sorry yeah I was just going to say with the contract so the idea of the contract it really is just which messages can be sent by whom when? Sort of. It, it, correct. Yeah. Hmm. Correct. Correct. And it doesn't either. Uh, it doesn't really say when they can be sent. Yeah. Uh, yes, the contract says that this has to be sent. This message has to be sent by the uh, the side that starts the uh, this change of uh, messages, or this message can only be sent by the receiving side, uh, but other than that, uh, there, is no indi- there is no real workflow um, uh, indications here yeah. uh, in so the contract. 
I notice so the times you seem to use the contract, uh, one is when you're setting up the receiving end to say this is the sort of thing that's going to come, and also when you're starting a conversation, you say this is the contract I want to use for the conversation. Is that kind of right? Uh, uh, yes, that is right. It is. You also start. You also use the message type. Uh, sorry, yes, the contract. Sorry, when you set up the actual service. Mm. Um, which we will, which we will come to. Well, but actually, yeah, I yeah, suppose right. the service, the service is probably the next object, then, isn't it? Um, or do you think of another one first? The queue is probably a better, yep. uh, a better idea to, even though we have already uh, talked a little bit about services. Mm. But uh, let, let, let's do the queue before yep. we do the service. Um, so when we have a message type and we have a contract. We now we're basically ready to we we know what we're going to send and what we can send mm-hmm. and eventually when we're sending we are ending up the messages ends up on a queue and a queue is just it's like a table in turn it's uh, deep under the covers it is marked in SQL Server as something called an internal table it's it's a table with some specific syntax. Where, where this syntax disallows you to do an direct insert or a direct update against the table. Uh, and you have syntax to read off the messages from this table, from the queue. So the queue is really the, uh, the storing place for the messages. And so the things that you normally set when you're setting up the queue or what sort of parameters... Roughly, uh, if you're doing it the quick and dirty way, uh, you're just setting the queue name, and if it's started or stopped, yep. uh, uh, then you have the ability, and this is where service broker can. So so far, we have only talked about service broker in terms of a messaging framework, mm. but service broker allows you to do. Um, more asynchronous programming. You, it uh, it's, uh, allows you to emulate multi-threaded programming just because on the queue you have the ability to set up an, uh, a queue reader name where a queue reader is a stored procedure that kicks in and messages arrives on the queue. So that when a message arrives on the queue, a store procedure is initialized and starts handling the messages. Now, which actually, you mentioned started or not on the queue. Does started uh-huh. mean that things get processed by the stored procs, or do they mean that the messages don't go into the queue at all? It means that the messages don't go into the queue at all. Mm-hmm. You also have, when you're, if you're, so I would say create queue, queue name, uh, with state equal starter. This is done from memory, so yes. don't don't quote me. Don't and, quote me on this. Syntax. And again, uh, the, the queues tend to have uh, again those big URL type names. Or do you tend to give them just general purpose names? Yeah, they, they could they they could have no the queues not not as much as the various um, message types and contracts. Yep. But uh, yeah, that, that's correct. So when we so I guess we'll come back to this activation stuff later on. Um, but so when we now have a queue, 
we can now then create sort of the the endpoints, if you so wish, of um, of these messaging applications, which mm-hmm. are services. Because as and this is really where so far this hasn't this is not that much different from a message queue application. Yes. Okay. So we're sending messages. Okay. We're a little bit more granular, etc. But in a message queue application, you send a message to a queue. In service broker, you send a message from a service and to a service. So we are introducing the notion of services where the relationship between a service and a queue is that we have one queue which conceivably can have several, which can serve several services. So let's send to a service it, the uh, the message eventually ends up on a queue. So how would you describe a service as to what its real function is? The service defines the locality of your uh, of your endpoint, and a service is the um, the thing that also defines what message types you can send because a service when you're creating a service you are uh, you are creating the service against a contract mm-hmm. that is not 100% correct because we have something called a default contract etc but yes. basically you, you create a service against a contract over a queue and then when you are using service broker, you're saying that you want to send from a service to a service. Okay. And the other one that might get involved with this are the HTTP endpoints. The HTTP endpoints has nothing to do whatsoever with uh, with service broker. The What you're probably thinking of here is broker endpoints. Oh, sorry, yes, a broker endpoint, yes, absolutely. Where, uh, absolutely, and this is, I mean, endpoint, schema, all these are so extremely overloaded words, so we don't yes, really know what indeed. to put Yes, I was thinking of that. Actually, it's, yeah, sorry, it's the create it's, endpoint, and we can do that for service broker. That's right. Yes, yes. Uh, cre- create uh, the endpoint for a service broker is to allow you to communicate out of the instance you're in. In other words, if you want to send, if I want to send a message from my machine here in in England over to you uh, in Australia, uh, you would have you need to create an endpoint on your side, a service broker endpoint, and I would need to have a an endpoint on my side. And this endpoint basically tells SQL Server that yes, we can speak out of this instance. We can we can communicate out of the instance. Correct. Okay, so we've kind of talked about then the message, the contract, um, well, endpoints and services and queues. The mm-hmm. what uh, what it might do is we might take a short break, and then when we come back, sure. we might sort of walk through the, the typical life of a message, perhaps, or something about yeah. uh, how they actually move around. And we'll be back in just a moment. Cool. As well as community resources such as this podcast, SQL Down Under offer mentoring services and both private and public training options. If you need to get your project back on track, 
or if you need to get it off to a good start, why not give us a call? We have also recently introduced a series of online courses available in both Asia-Pacific and US-UK time zones. In particular, the first course that's offered in this series is Query Performance Tuning. You'll find details at www.sqldownunder.com. Okay, well, welcome back from the break. So what uh, what we might wander through now, Niels, if you could, is just to maybe if you take the, the life cycle of a message and just discuss you know, from, from where they start to, to how they get processed. Sure. Um, so we have talked about how we've created the, the various uh, various objects now that we need to uh, that we need to have in order to, to send a message. So we have now when we created these types and contracts and services and all that stuff, and we now want to talk between let's say between two databases on on the same machine to keep it simple in, uh, mm-hmm. initially. Um, we first of all let's uh, point out here that the message types and contracts need to be duplicated on the uh, on the various points that are partaking in my uh, in my message exchange. Sure. So if I so if I have created a Greg type as a message type and a Greg contract as a contract, all the all the participating parts need to have those guys in their in their databases, right? Yep. So having taken care of that, we to start the message flow, what we're we what we're doing is we're beginning a conversation. We're beginning a conversation of a particular type. In this right now in the life cycle of service broker, that type is a dialogue and we can cover that later yeah. if we so wish why that is the case. But we're starting a uh, dialogue conversation. One one quick question if I may. The uh-huh. how do you see people sharing around the definitions of messages and things like that? Will it just be a T SQL script? Uh, T SQL scripts, or using. I'm working with with my tool to. Uh, with my tool, you can actually copy it, redeploy it, uh, just by point and click, drag and drop type of right. things. But yep. uh, T SQL T SQL scripts, basically. Yes. Yep. Sorry. Yes, now yes, you're yes. starting to say about a conversation. So. Yep. Right. So we're starting a conversation from a service to a service on a particular contract. Right. So this indicates to service broker that we now want to have a communication between these two services. When we have said this begin conversation, the only thing that really has happened at this stage is that there is an entry in a table, a conversation underscore endpoints table in the uh, in the instance that started the conversation. Nothing else. That's just an entry in a table. When we have started this, uh, this begin conversation gives us back a conversation handle. And by using this conversation handle, we have now the ability to send a message. Yeah. So begin, com- begin dialogue conversation from service to service, uh, yada, 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 the right contract, etc., gives me back my conversation handle. And that's and a GUID, isn't it? That's a GUID, exactly. Yeah. That's a GUID, the unique identifier. Uh, having this conversation handle, I can now say send 
on conversation, this GUID, uh, what message type I'm sending, and the actual message type. Oh, sorry, and the actual message. Yep. <laughs> um, so we have now talked to, uh, a bit about new uh, T-SQL syntax. So begin conversation is new, and send is new. Right, so these are new keywords in SQL Server. Yep. Okay. I noticed then with I send as well, they always proceed it with a semicolon. I gather that's some sort of parsing problem. Yes, that is a parsing because send is uh, not a reserved keyword. You could have, I bet you that out there in the world, there are quite a few databases with a table called send. Yep. Uh, so this, uh, this semicolon... Uh, just means that, yes, this is basically the first line of the batch. Yeah. So, uh, and having said that, we should probably be prepared to start using semicolons more and more because they will, in future releases, they will use semicolons for much more than just for stuff. Yes. But that, that, that's beside the point. Um, so when we have, when we have called send, at this stage, service broker will now try to find these other endpoints. And it used certain heuristics to do that, which we'll cover a little bit later on. When we have sent the message, service broker internally finds the endpoint. It, it uh, inserts some data in this sys conversation endpoints table that I said, and hopefully now sends the message to that other endpoint where it will end up on that queue, on on the queue for that particular service. When the message is there, we then have the ability to go in and do a select on the queue, which is in if we're um, if we are seeing in MSMQ terms, select is really doing a peak against the queue. Yeah. In other words, we are just we're not doing anything with the message. Yeah. If we want to read off the message from the queue, well, then we call receive, which is yet another new SQL Server keyword yeah. uh, or SQL Server statement. And we're saying receive uh, from this from this queue, and uh, that's about it. Now we've uh, now with we've, the receive uh, happily sent. Sorry, with the receive, I notice people normally use top one and only process a message at a time. But again, mm -hmm. uh, I presume if it's possible to process multiples, that's desirable. Uh, that really is dependent upon your business application. But mm -hmm. well, SQL Server is is a set based is based, good at doing set based processing. So we should probably uh, do a uh, receive into a table variable or something and then handle the messages. Yeah. But as I said, it really depends upon your type of, of application. Mm. Uh, and when we're doing a receive, we are receiving everything from that particular conversation handle. Yep. So uh, when I'm saying send, on this conversation handle, my messages will then have that conversation handle, and when I didn't receive, I will receive all of those with that particular message handle. The other thing I noticed is that you can have multiple uh, procs running against a queue, and in that case, it also makes sure that uh, only messages for a specific conversation are sent to a particular proc or instance of a proc. 
uh, not exactly. You can only have one proc, one of these activation procs per. However, in the proc, you then what service this message is sent to, and you can then route this this message onto some other proc that handles that particular uh, service type or whatever. I think the thing so, I was thinking of is in the queue definition, isn't there something there where you can set the maximum number of readers? Oh, oh, oh sorry, right, yes. But that is, um, that, okay, so what, uh, absolutely, absolutely right. Um, the maximum number of queue readers is a way to, so what happens here is that if I, in my queue definition, says, okay, create queue and use this proc as a, um, as a um, as a process proc yep. process the messages of this proc. When service broker then receives messages in on the queue, this proc is being uh, spun up on a new thread. Yep, and uh, is being handling the messages. If service broker then receives more and more and more messages and lags behind in this processing of the uh, messages service broker will automatically spin up new threads uh, with more of this with more instances of this particular proc yep uh, and the max queue readers is there to cap out so we're not saturating the uh, the SQL server uh, thread pool basically mm. uh, because we don't want to uh, bring ser- SQL, we don't want to bring SQL server down because we're running out of threads in thread yeah pool. So that's just a way of saying, okay, when we have spun up five threads, then we have to wait around until one becomes available. Yeah, but I was was just pleased that, yeah, it was also clever enough to only send messages from a a particular conversation to an individual thread. So I get the impression to avoid race conditions and things, yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Great. Well, can you maybe describe to us then, uh, I suppose, what support there is for administration in Management Studio, which, uh, as we said, isn't a lot, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, talk about what, what you've done in your um, admin tool that you've built. Right, okay. So support for admin in Management Studio is basically nil. Uh, there is none. Uh, there are, uh, you can... Uh, you can see in Object Explorer in Management Studio you have nodes for uh, for service broker objects. Yep. So you can see what message types you have, you can see what contracts you have, etc. But you do not have the ability to do a new uh, contract or something like that. Yep. So uh, there are in Management Studio templates SQL templates for creating the, the objects, but that's all there is. There is no sort of hooking up between the templates and the, the objects in the in the Object Explorer to be able to do, uh, to more automatically create a new message type contract or whatever. And that's basically what what I did in my in, in the SSB admin tool, where yeah. you uh, you drill down into an uh, into a server. Into a database, into that particular um, broker object you're interested in, 
you uh, right-click on that node, choose new, and you get a uh, form-based dialog where you can uh, basically wizard to create this the object you're interested in. Yeah. From there on, you can also start a new conversation. You can send a message and do stuff like that. Okay. So you could have the whole lifetime of a service broker application do that from the SSP admin tool. So have you got the ability in there to sort of manage what's in what queues at the moment? I'm just trying to say so people can sort of visualize where the messages are. Yes, so uh, have the, you, you can see the queues and you can see what messages are in the queues. Great. Uh, you cannot read messages from the queues because mm-hmm. this is a, only an admin tool after all. Uh, so I debated uh, heavily with myself. Should you be able to read them off or not? And I said, no, you shouldn't. But uh, well, well, we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, that's great. Well, listen, that's great. Uh, the, the other thing we should find out then is just uh, what other things you've got on the go uh, or things coming up or presentations you're uh, doing anywhere or articles. Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, have a watch this space with SSB admin. It's... Um, there may be new stuff coming in it with one of the hardest problems at the moment with with service broker is security and uh, I'm talking with Microsoft at the moment to see if we can do something smart with the admin in order to help people set up security for service broker because this is a real uh, hardship at the moment so so watch that space so people Um, need uh, I presume permission on the endpoint yeah, so yep. you need basically uh, you need basically to set up certificates uh, on the various endpoints and to be able to talk at all, and then you also need certificates in order to handle the um, the dialogue security, in other words, yep. to encrypt and be secure when you're sending the messages. Actually, we should and mention also with the procs when the procs run, there's a a variety of security context options you've got there as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what you can what you can do is you can say under which context when you're setting up this with the proc, you're defining under which security context your proc is running through the execute as uh, statement. Mm. This new statement in C two thousand five. I notice also bookwise, uh, Roger Walter has got one coming out as well. That's W O L T E R, isn't it, with Roger? And uh, uh, have you seen any of that as yet, or? That no, is the uh, Roger is the uh, grandfather of, of Service Broker. Yep. What, what Roger doesn't know about Service Broker is not worth knowing. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, he's uh, he's a program manager at Microsoft for Service Broker. And he wrote a book that was, I think, beta released for uh, TechEd in US. And mm. uh, that is the if you're interested in Service Broker, uh, if you're even remotely interested in Service Broker, that is the book to have. Yeah, I've pointed it's a brilliant. few people at it, but it's yeah, it still seems to be in sort of pre-release at the moment and not yes. uh, not available yet. So, Absolutely. But yeah, uh, so I, I, that's the book to have. That is the book to have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, really, what I would like to say more about Service Broker is the what Service Broker allows you to do is. Just because these queue readers that you mentioned, Greg, hmm. is that we can we can emulate multi-threaded SQL Server programming all of a sudden. We yeah. can send off messages to a queue, and an, another process kicks in and handles these messages for us. Yes. So we could take a long-running proc. Today we have a long-running proc that is doing lots and lots of things, 
and we could uh, take that and split that up in several sub-procs, if you so wish, and just send off a message to a queue inside my proc, and this message ends up on the queue, another process spins up and handles that message and, and is executing some, some of our other procs. It is a really, really powerful, uh, powerful environment here that we've got. So are we going to get to see you speaking about this or read articles uh, you're writing? Or? I'm, I'm at the moment doing a series of articles for SQL magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, initially, it's not about Service Broker, but hopefully there will be, will be a couple coming out about Service Broker as well. And um, the next conference I'm at is the Dev Week in uh, in London in 2006. And you're based in London, aren't you? So. I'm, I'm based in London, yes. Yep. Well, I'm based in UK, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no. London is my base, put it that way. And uh, so Dev Week is the first uh, uh, I'll be at uh, next year speaking about Service Broker. Great. That's good. Well, listen, thank you very much for that, and uh, it's been most enlightening, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Sure. Thank you. Thank Greg. you. Thanks, guys.